We are in a series called Entrusted. And if you look at the subtitle, it is a conversation about work and money. 70% of our wake time is spent in our work. That also applies to you if you have retired, if you're unemployed, if you're unable to work, if you're at school, you do some sort of work. And I will unpack this as we look at scripture, that you actually do work, no matter where you are at, whatever season you're in in life. And so we have been entrusted with work. We've talked about money, we've talked about resources, we've talked about our talents and our gifts. Now we're going to look at where we spend 70% of our wake time with work. And if God is the owner and we are the managers, how should we manage our work? If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis 1. It's right there in the very beginning. If you need a Bible, slip up your hand. We got some Bibles in the back. I'm sure we can get some people to get you a Bible. If you want a, a Bible, you can also get on your phones and you can turn to Genesis 1 there. Genesis 1.31 is where we are going to start. And let's read it together. I also think it's going to be on the screen. Yes. And God saw everything that he had made, everything that he had worked on, and behold, it was very good. Now we pick up two big points right out of the gate here. This is Genesis 1. This is pre-fall, pre-curse. This is when God had created things for six days. And he said, this is very good. The work that has been done here is good work. Point number one is this, is that work comes from the creation story, not the curse story. We can easily find it in the curse story. And for me, that's where it's most memorable. I don't know if you've heard this uh, line before, but we work by the sweat of our brow. I don't know why I felt like a pioneer, I mean a, 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 a pirate or something like that, or I don't know, is that an Irish bar? I don't know what that was. But we work by the sweat of our brow. That is in Genesis 3. That is during the curse, during the fall. But we see that work is done before the fall. That work is actually coming from the creation story not the curse story. And the second point here within this is that he says that work is good. Not only does work come from the creation story and not the curse story, but that work is good. So why do we hate our jobs? <laughs> why is work hard? Why is work difficult? Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, I love my job, I love my job. But on a large scale, when we look at the world, we hear these phrases, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> I'm so glad my work is done. I live for the weekend. Or if you're John Mayer, he talks about love on the weekend. He has this lyric where he actually says this. He says, it's a Friday, we finally made it. I get to see your face. You have been working and I have been waiting. Or you have been working and I am a bum. That's kind of how you would translate John Mayer's lyric there. 
But it's Friday. We finally made it. Or when we go in on Monday and we're talking to our spouse or our friends, we say, oh, back to the daily grind. It's all about the grind and the hustle. The Guinness Book of World Records just two weeks ago did this. This is what they said. We are giving Monday the record for the worst day of the week. The Guinness Book of World Records has decided that Monday is the worst day of the week because you are going back to your nine to five. You're going back to work. And so why is this the line that gets displayed instead of what we see is that work is good. Now, we could say it's a part of the fall. Yes, the sweat of our brow. <laughs> I don't, I, we can cut that out in the video. I don't know why I keep doing that. It just, it's the way it feels to me. Why do we feel that way, though? Why do we feel like it is so hard? And we could say, yes, it's part of sin. And honestly, that gives me theological peace. It's like, I love my life, I love my kids, I hate my job. And it's just part of the fall, you know, it's just, that's how we have to do it. It's just hard, it's supposed to be a punishment for us, just what we gotta do, but I love everything else about my life. And it kinda gives us theological peace to say, oh yeah, it's just sin, that's why we're working, it's because of sin. But that doesn't actually line up with Jesus' view of theological redemption. And I do think our culture at large, even in cultural Christianity, can say, hey, you can be safe, but your work can't. You can be redeemed, not your work. Not the people at your work, not the things that you do at your work, not your job description, not the hardships that you're facing. That can't be redeemed. Oh, you can be redeemed, but not the rest of your life. And that does give us some sort of theological piece to say, oh yeah, let's, let's just throw and say it's sin. But that's the exact opposite of what we see work is. And so if work is the opposite, if work comes from the creation story and not the curse story, if work is good and not bad, how do we approach our work in this way? Let's look at Genesis 1, 27 to find the answer of how we are supposed to approach work as if it is good. Genesis 1.27 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this is just an, an identity statement here, right out of the gate. We work because we bear the image of the one who works. There is a God who creates, he works, we're made in his image, therefore we work. We bear the image of the one who works, meaning that when you were thought of, you were created with work in mind. Now, you might be like, oh, thanks God, thanks for punishing me, I really appreciate that you thought of me working myself to death. No. What he's saying here is that this is an enjoyable thing. This is a delight. The Greek gods actually viewed it as punishment, which we've kind of adopted, which is not the reality of what God wants, where it was this, 
this God won this war. And they said, all the gods said, okay, now that you won the war, you've got to take care of the earth. And he was like, I'm going to make human beings so that they can run the earth for me. It's going to be their punishment. They can handle it. But that's not how God works. He says, I want to make you in my image so that you get the opportunity to participate with me. It is going to be a delight, a joy, a good thing. And so how does this play out? How is this an enjoyable thing? Genesis 1:28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And you will have dominion, or manage, if you've been following with this series that Ben's been hitting on. You'll have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is how work plays out. He says, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. Create stuff and take care of God's stuff. Create stuff and take care of God's stuff. Work is about creating and cultivating. It is about how can we manage our situation within our nine to five, but also how can we create things within our nine to five. It's an opportunity to create and cultivate. So here's the two things I wanna give just practical applications for this reality. Let's talk about what work isn't first. Work is not just an economic exchange. We've been talking about work and money for a while. It's not just about an economic exchange. I don't know if you uh, remember um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but they would be excited about going to work. They would say, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work, I go, so excited. They, they came from that creation story, I guess. But there have been people that have changed it over time, and now they say, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. <laughs> I've got bills to pay. There's another band, uh, Cage the Elephant, if you ever heard of them. They have this line. They say, there's no rest for the wicked. Money doesn't grow on trees. I've got bills to pay. I've got mouths to feed. There's nothing in this world for free. <laughs> and so you see that we often hear that work is about money. It is about how do we get an economic exchange here. If I toil by the sweat of my brow, I will get money back. And then money will help me do all the things I want to do. And if you've been following the series, you know Ben wants to buy a boat. That's his big thing. He's working for the boat. But it's not about an economic exchange. It's not about earning. Maybe if you are listening to music right now and... Over the past few years, Rihanna has a song called Work, 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 Work. I don't know how many works are actually there. Um, but she's talking about earning someone's affection. Work is not about an economic exchange. It's also not about earning someone's affection or approval. We don't work so that we win people over so that they like us a certain way. It's not just about an economic exchange. It's not just about earning but maybe for you, it's this, which is for me as well, which is about effort. How much work can I do? I remember when I was doing student ministry, this was before we had kids, Megan and I were living in Lilburn, Georgia, and I was gone, uh, I was gone five days 
out of the week in the evenings. So I did the nine to five and then I was gone because I felt this drive to go do a bunch of work. Like how much work can I actually do? So I would go to like, oh yeah, I'm going to this football game. Oh yeah, we got a Wednesday night thing. Oh yeah, we got a Sunday night thing. Oh yeah, this person's asked me over for dinner on Thursday night. And I would work so hard to try to make sense of my life with this effort. Go, go, go. I had this ambition, this drive. But after I had this conversation with Meg, she helped me see this of what my future might be like on this trajectory. And I thought to myself, am I going to get to the end of my life and say, did I just gain the whole world and forfeit my own soul? Did I just go, 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 and I lost myself 20, 30 years ago? Did I think my work equaled me? And so I was driven on effort for you. Where do you tend to lean? Do you lean in the economic transaction? Do you lean in the earning of someone's affection or approval? Or or do you go to work for effort, ambition, drive? What is it for you? What do you lean into? Some of you might be saying, well, I lean in the arms of Christ. Okay, that's great. I I appreciate you saying that church answer, but let's get real for a second. That's, (laughs) we are fallen here. There are times that we lean into something else, that we lean into something that's not good for us in the end where we look at the end of our days and we look back at our timeline called life and we say, did I just forfeit my own soul for the sake of work? Where do you lean? That's a question I want you to ask. That's a question I want you to talk about when you go to lunch, maybe this afternoon, to think on. Now, that's what work isn't. Let's talk about what work is. Here's another application. What work is, is we talked about creating and cultivating. So whether you have a nine to five, you stay home, you're retired, unable to work, unemployed, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, you can still participate in biblical work. You should be excited when you tell people about what you do, not what you don't do, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just unemployed. But instead, you get to actually look at Scripture and say, no, 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 this is how I create. This is how I cultivate. This is what I do with my life. And when we look at Mondays, all of us, when we look at our Monday, think right now. When you go Monday morning, wherever you're going, online, in person, whatever, how do you create and how do you cultivate? How do you create and how do you cultivate? And as a righteous steward of God's kingdom, do you go into your work and do you go in thinking, how can I create or how can I cultivate? Or do you lean into what maybe work isn't? And when I say righteous steward, the way that I like to talk about righteousness and justice, because in the Hebrew text, it's the same side or it's the same coin on the different sides. It's the, it's, they work together, righteousness and justice in the Old Testament. But as a righteous steward, do you go in and you say, what's not right here? Do you look at your job and say, what's not right here? And what can I do to create? What can I do to cultivate? What is something that I need to maybe start? What's the problem here 
that needs God's handiwork? What is God's, I'm sorry, what is God's solution here to the problem? What is God's handiwork that needs to be pushed into these problems? Is it something I need to start? Or is it cultivate, something I need to care for? When you think about your job, when you think about Monday, think about it right now, what do you need to create or what do you need to cultivate? What's the problem that you see? And Ben, you may have already heard this, but Ben always talks about this, is that we would find empathy for that problem. That we wouldn't just move past it, that we wouldn't avoid it, but that we would face it. That we would see, if we don't fix this, someone is going to get hurt. If we don't fix this, someone is going to be short of what God's called them to do. And so we need to create something. We need to cultivate something so that God's kingdom can be advanced. And so what can you create and cultivate in your job? Now we talked about how we create, or how we work, which is creating and cultivating. We talked about that it's from the creation story, not from the curse story. But there is one giant piece missing to this conversation. Let's look at this. This is where we find work in the Old Testament. The word is avadah. I just want to make sure you're awake. So could you say avadah with me right now? Avadah. I want you to look to the person that you came here with. Look them in the eyes awkwardly and say avadah. All right, there we go. There we go. Just making you all uncomfortable, making sure you're alive. Here we go. The word is avadah in the Old Testament, and it is how we define work. And so I want us to look at this word that appears in the Old Testament because it will help us get this missing piece that we have not talked about yet. And so we have this right here, two verses about work. Six days you shall avadah, you shall work. Then man goes out to his work, his avadah, to his labor until evening. But there is a turn here in Avadah. Let's see the other two verses. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may Avadah me. Wow. But as for me and my household, we will Avadah the Lord. Now the way that we could say that is that we will worship the Lord. What we see here in scripture is that work is worship. Work is worship. You don't, I'm not saying go worship your work. I'm saying when you go to work, it is an area of worship. Now what is worship? If, if you're new to that idea and you're like, oh, we just throw that word around. What does that word even mean? Worship comes from the English words, worth-ship, saying where are you proclaiming your worth? What are you saying is of the utmost worth? And so work is an avenue to declare Christ's ultimate worth. And a way that we could ask questions about work being worship is who do you work for or what do you worship? I believe it's the same question. Who do you work for? And what do you worship? 
Because that is going to be the driver. Is it the money? Is it the person you're trying to win approval? Is it this ambition or drive and trying to get the, the sum, the sum of all of your work equaling these things? Is that the thing that is driving you? Is that your boss? Is that your owner? Is that the thing that you worship? Or is it God that you worship? The one where you give the ultimate worth, the highest place, the king of your heart. That is worship. And when you work, another way to ask it is, what are you working unto? What's the end goal? I work unto money. I work unto this. Do you work unto the Lord? We hear these verses about working for the Lord. Whether I eat or drink, I do it for the glory of the Lord. All of this is culminating to display God's glory, or in essence, God's ultimate goodness. That is why we work, is that we are worshiping. I, I can't help but think about the chariots of fire scene where he's running, you know? I run to feel his pleasure. Now, I'm not going to try to like mimic his accent or anything, but I run to feel his pleasure. Like, that's what I think of. It is our motivation for why we get up on Monday. It's saying, this is an avenue where I can worship. This is a place where I can worship. So now, we're going to dig in a little deeper. Let's talk about Sunday mornings in light of our work. The purpose of Sundays, one of the reasons for Sundays, is that gathered worship in the sanctuary is supposed to be scattered worship in the streets. That what we do in here fills the streets out there. That gathered worship in this sanctuary is supposed to push us to scattered worship in the streets. That there is... Technically, with worship, no walls. There's a walls here for practical reasons, but with worship, there are no walls, or not meant to be any walls. If you remember last week, we talked about source and resource. And Ben came up here and he plugged in the light bulbs, and then he separated them and said, okay, there's the resource and here's the source. Well, sometimes for me, and I'm just going to be candid with you, and I'm wondering, by God's grace, I'm up here because I am, <laughs> I give into this all the time. I, I plug my light in on Sunday, I being the resource, plugged into the source, I'm lighting like a beam. I can't wait to meet people. I can't wait to raise my hands. I can't wait to encounter God. Monday, unplug, go. Light's not on. The resource has been severed from the source. But if we actually see that work is worship, it's as we go into our jobs, we are lit up. As we go to the parks, we are lit up. As we go home, we are lit up. We are supposed to be in the source. We're not supposed to be severed from the source. Has anybody seen the show, don't raise your hands, because it's kind of intense, so let me, just, let me just warn you there. Has anybody seen the show Severance? It is the show on Apple TV+, Plus, Apple Plus, I don't know what it's called, 
Apple something. It's called Severance. It is an intense show. You watch, definitely watch it with adults only because it's pretty intense. And it's this show that's been directed by Ben Stiller. Adam Scott is the, the main character. It's this show where people go into their work and their work has been set up in such a way that they will not be able to know what is happening in the outside world. That their nine to five is a different world to them than their outside world. And so what they do is when you get there, and this is the intense part, they plant something in their brains, and when they get in the elevator to the office, when they get in, they punch in at nine o'clock, they go down into the basement, and as they're in the elevator, their brain switches to where they now go into this nine to five, and they're a totally different person. They know that this is happening, but they don't know anything that's going on on the outside. And then when they clock out, they go back into this world that they've always had, but they don't know what they do for work. They can't see it. They have no clue what's going on. They don't have the memory of it, the recollection of it, and they go live. And a lot of people are doing this in the show to gain just money. They go, they're like, man, I want money, and so I'm going to sever myself from my work and my personal life so that I can get money. And then there's other people who have experienced really hard trauma. And the way that they avoid trauma is they say, I want to create some sort of new life for myself, new opportunity for myself, some kind of new ambition or purpose. And so I'm going to sign up for this thing and sever myself. Well, what we'll see in the show, and I won't spoil it for you if you want to watch it, is you're going to see that no one was meant to live a severed life. And when it comes to our worship, our worship is not meant to be severed. That when we come here, we act like one person, and then it's like when we go out that door, it's like we're going into the elevator. It's like <laughs> severed, all right, I don't know what happened out there. You know, I'm gonna go live a totally different life. And I'm going to separate whatever emotions or feelings or maybe even transformative things that happened, and I'm going to go live a different life. But what we'll see in our own lives is that we are not meant to be severed. On the show, in reality, our worship is not meant to be severed. Jesus goes to the cross, and when he says it is finished, what happens? This veil is torn, and now worship is spilling in the streets, where he says, no longer am I going to be held down in this space. Worship is supposed to be in the streets. No longer is my worship going to be severed into this temple, or even in the tabernacle. No more. It is finished. Worship is now out. It is being made available to all, in all places. 
So what does that mean for our work right now? What it means is, is that your nine to five is a holy place. That even the hard work is holy. That even the difficult person is a holy space to inhabit. That holiness is now out. I have people ask me when they find out I'm a pastor, and they say, uh, you know, I'm in a coffee shop, what's your, what's your place of worship? Man, I would love to say, bro, you're standing in it. <laughs> I would love to say that. I wish I would have researched this a lot earlier in my days so I could start saying it now, and maybe I will. But if I go to the park, and they say, what's your place of worship? I don't want to just say, hey, guess what? It's on Holt Road. I want to say, it's in the park, it's in my home, it's in my office. That's my place of worship. It's like looking at a Google map saying, hey, where is Grace Marietta's place of worship? And it's not just one dot on the screen, but there are hundreds because y'all have been activated to say, oh, guess what? The holiness is not just in the building. The holiness is out there. That God has now gone before us by dying on the cross and being resurrected to say we don't just have to house ourselves in, but now there's holiness on the streets. And there's hundreds of dots because you go to different parks, you work at different places, and now you get to be a part of that kingdom work because the Holy One has gone before you. And you get to co-create, you get to co-cultivate with Him and it's not just a punishment, it's a delight. You wake up on Monday morning and the one who has supreme worth, you're talking to him about what you're supposed to do today. What's my, what's my task, Lord? You're my boss. What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to say? What can I, what can I do? How, how can I act? And we get excited because that is a journey with Jesus. That is an exciting adventure with him that we can go out and we can say, Man, God's going to show up today. And this hard, difficult problem that I'm facing in my job, oh, Lord, I hear your whisper say, even this is holy. Even this is holy. I know some of us do not have great jobs. I know that the past few years have been very difficult for some. I know that there are people in your workplace that you want to avoid. I know that your job description isn't your ultimate drive right now. You're not passionate about it. You're just doing it to feed your family, and that is a good thing. But as you walk into those hardships, would you begin to recognize that those places are holy, that those are places of worship as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you didn't just leave us to our own devices to start creating stuff and cultivating stuff and making stuff happen on our own. That you just didn't send us out and you stayed home. But you are the Holy One who made a way for us. We could have been left to our own devices having such hard conversations right now but you made a way for us 
to enter into your holy place with you. And so, Lord, we give you ultimate, ultimate worth. You are the one on the throne. You're number one. You're the one we talk to. You're the one we listen to. You're the one that directs our steps. And so, Lord, help us. Because we have so many hard things that we're facing. We think about our kids. We think about how we got to feed them. We got to provide for them. We got to keep up our house. And we just keep on the daily grind, so to speak. And we avoid the hard places of our work. But Lord, would you renew our minds? If we need to repent, we repent of seeing work as a bad thing. In your eyes, it is a delight. It is a joy. And this is the big missing piece. It's you. That if we don't have you, we will work by the sweat of our brow. And so, Lord, we need you to enter into the hard places of our jobs. We need you to be about redeeming all things. We know, Lord, that you care about us, that you want to redeem us. But, Lord, would you renew our jobs? Would you redeem our jobs? Would you buy them back so that they could fit in that creation story again? Would you show us how we can create with you? Would you show us how we can cultivate with you? And will we have your perspective going into our work? It's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to do something real quick. If everyone can go ahead and stand up because we're about to move into a time of singing worship. I would love for you to Hold out your hands in front of you, close your eyes, and just picture what that hard thing is. And like I said, if you're not in a nine to five right now, there is some other work that you're facing. It could be a doctor's appointment, where you gotta work on yourself. There could be something physically off. There could be a trip or a potential move that you've gotta make. That's creating, that's cultivating, that is work. Whatever it is for you, I want you to visualize it in your hands. And in your hearts, you know what? Let's go out loud. <laughs> you could just repeat after me. Lord, this hard work is holy. Lord, you see this as a delight. Help me to walk with you in this. Amen. Amen. We've got communion on the sides. Prayer team is available. Sometimes you're so clouded in your work, you can't see clearly, and you need prayer. You need the word of the Lord to direct your steps. 
So we've got the prayer team available on the wings and in the back. And as you take communion, just remember that reality that he was on the cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed for you. He made a way for you to enter into that holy place with him. Let's worship him.